Reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. We have a tradition uh, with my family every year at Christmas Eve. We get together with my wife's family at her, at her parents' house, and um, we celebrate Christmas together as a family. And somewhere between the potato soup and opening presents, we sit down and listen to my father-in-law as he reads the Christmas story to us. And it's a great story. It's a story that we've heard since we were very little, the story of Mary and Joseph and how they journeyed to Bethlehem for the census, only to find that there was no room in the inn. And so they took the stable, which was the only thing available to them, and that's where Jesus was born, and then placed into a manger, and then visited by the wise men and, and the shepherds and the angels. You guys know the story. And it's great to reflect on this story because it reminds us of what Christmas is all about. And as I, as I thought about this story of Christmas and what the story is really about, I began to wonder about this and, and kind of think through this a little bit. And I, and I just, I'm curious, I wonder if I were to ask all of you what you thought, if you could just say one thing, what the story of Christmas is all about, what you would tell me. And I imagine it would be something different. Every one of you would maybe have something different. And maybe they would all be true, but different. And, and some of you might say that the Christmas story is, is a historical account of the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, and of course that's true. Some would say that it's a story about God's love and grace. Again, that's true. Um, some would even say uh, that it's a story of hope. That's true. Um, others might even say it's a story about family or stories about miracles. Some might say that it's, a, it, it's a, um, an epic tale of wonder and enchantment. And all of these things are true in one sense or, or another. But if we boil it down, as I thought through this, for me, the Christmas story is just a story about a gift. That's really what the Christmas story is about. It's a story about a gift. And in fact, this passage that we've already looked at in Luke gives us a hint as to what this gift is. It talks about the angels as they were praising God. They said, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth. Peace on earth. The prophet Isaiah foretold uh, about this gift some 400 years before it was even given. And in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. And then finally, Jesus himself, he revealed exactly what this gift was in John chapter 14, verse 27, he says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. So as we go all the way back to this Christmas story, the, the birth of Christ and the story of, of the angels and the stars up in the sky and the wise men and shepherds, this is when the angels declared peace on earth. This is when the Prince of Peace was born. And Jesus himself teaches us that he gives us a gift of peace that the world cannot give. And so the Christmas story is a story about a gift. It's a story about the gift of peace that was brought to us through Jesus Christ, the Messiah. I had a, an experience recently that created a disturbance of peace 
within me. And I'd like to share that with you. In fact, I'd like to include you on this journey that I, uh, that I, that I had as part of this experience. And it happened on Halloween uh, this, this year, um, which was a Friday night, if you remember. And instead of doing the normal Halloween routine with trick-or-treating and candy, I decided to go to Cedar Point with a few of my friends. Any of you have been to Cedar Point? You like Cedar Point? Okay, good. All right, that was a little participation for you. I know it's cold, so we've got to, you know, kind of keep you guys moving. Um, anyway, there's something you guys need to know about me. I love Cedar Point. I really do. I love roller coasters. It's a fact. And for the last 16 years, there has not been a single season go by where I haven't been to Cedar Point, Kings Island, or both, at least once, if not twice. And when I go to these parks, I don't watch the shows, okay? That would be a waste of time. Um, I don't play the games, you know? I, you'll never see me walking around the midway carrying a giant stuffed teddy bear, okay? That's not me. In fact, I barely take time to eat. I eat only enough to survive because I am there for one reason and one reason only, and that is to ride roller coasters, to ride as many as I can. And I've, I've, over the years, I've adopted this philosophy when it comes to roller coasters, and that philosophy is just simply bring it. You know, bring it on. I don't care how high the ride is, how fast or how crazy, I will ride it. But for the past five years, there's one ride at Cedar Point, just one, that I've never ridden. The Top Thrill Dragster. There it is behind me. I have to smile when I see that picture. I'd never ridden this ride, okay? Um, how many of you have ever been there seen, and seen this ride in action or even ridden it? Any of you brave folks out there? Okay. All right. Let me shed some light on this. As you can see the picture behind me, it's an impressive um, machine. It, it was opened in 2003, okay, so it just completed its sixth season of operation. It stands 420 feet tall, 420 feet towering above the landscape at Cedar Point. Um, it takes you from a, a, a position, of, a seated position of, of tranquility and, and, and stillness, and it launches you from zero to 120 miles per hour in just four seconds. And then it shoots you straight up 90 degrees, straight down 90 degrees, with some little twists along the way just to spice it up. And for five years, I went to this park, and I didn't ride the dragster. And every year, I had a good excuse. Sometimes we'd get there, and it would be broken. You know, it's not operating, so of course, we're not going to ride it. Some years, we'd get there, and the line would be, like, insanely long, like four hours. And I'd say, Psh, we're not riding. We're not waiting in line for that ride. So we'd ride something else. So for, for year after year, I went to Cedar Point. Year after year, I didn't ride the dragster. And year after year, nobody suspected anything because I always had a good excuse. But if I could be honest with you this morning and tell you the real reason why I'd never ridden the top thrill dragster is because I was scared of it. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. That thing freaks me out. I mean, look at it. It's intimidating. But on this, <laughs> bring it. That's right. <laughs> bring it. Um, on this particular Friday night at the park, um, there were no excuses. We got to the park, and this ride was running beautifully. I mean, very smoothly, in fact, and I was very disappointed. Um, <laughs> the line, we got to the line, it was 15 minutes or less, which under normal circumstances would, would, would be an awesome thing, but that night it was devastating. I realized that all of my excuses were gone, and for the first hour we were in the park, I kept anticipating this moment. I knew it was coming, and I was dreading the moment. And it finally happened when my friends looked up and they said, let's ride that. 
and they pointed to the top thrill dragster. And in that moment, fear and panic set in because, you know, I wasn't sure uh, I was up to this thing. And, and my first impulse was to run away screaming. And, and I, you know, I thought, let's try to be a little more cool about this. So I thought maybe faking a headache or a kidney stone or something, anything to get me out of this, this experience. But my friends were, were absolutely determined. My friends are crazy. And so um, I just followed them, and I was like, okay, I'm part of the group, so I'll just follow them. But, the, but from that point when they said they wanted to ride the dragster to the dragster, it was like a quarter-mile stretch. And for me, this journey to the dragster was a soul-searching, gut-wrenching, pants-peeing, <laughs> internal struggle. Was I going to ride the top thrill dragster? I was... Figuratively, by the way, not literally. <laughs> was I going to ride the top thrill dragster, or was I going to make another excuse and just sit it out? And as this turmoil raged within me, I was not at peace. There was no peace. What's that? For a good reason. For a good reason. That was the Holy Spirit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but listen, one of the things that Jesus came, he said about doing in his time here on earth was creating a way that you and I could have peace. And in that sense, he is our peacemaker. He takes our broken pieces, our rough edges, our defiant hearts, and in the midst of our own chaos, he offers us peace. And the peace that Jesus speaks of may not convey an absence of conflict necessarily, but the peace that Jesus gives us is a calmness of confidence in God. It's a wholeness. It's a new quality of life to the full. It's being unified with God in spirit, experiencing oneness with him. And this is the peace that Jesus gives us. This is the gift that the Christmas story is all about, having peace with God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so for some of us, the idea of giving our life to Jesus and beginning a relationship with him is a lot like the, the top thrill dragster was for me. It's something you've seen before, you've heard about it, you may even think you're ready to try it, but every time the opportunity comes up, for some reason, there's another excuse. And so we sit it out. And we may have been this, sitting this out for a few weeks, maybe it's been a few years. And my hope for all of us, is that we'll just run out of excuses. We'll just run out of excuses. And I look back at that night at Cedar Point. As I went through this whole experience, I believe that I faced three steps that I had to make on my way to the top tool dragster. As I wrestled with this, was I going to ride this crazy ride? And I believe that they're the same steps that you and I must take as we approach a relationship with God. So I want to look at those with you this morning. Uh, the first one, the first one is a step of faith. A step of faith. And this is really an issue of belief. A step of faith is an issue of belief. If you look at Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so a step of faith is really an issue of belief. Do we believe God is who he said he is? Do we believe that God can do what he said he'd do? Do we believe his word is true? Do we believe in him? And I can remember as, you know, we were at the park and, and we just had gotten off the Magnum XL200, which is one of my favorite rides. And, and uh, we, you know, I'm all happy and, and full of joy and, and we get off that ride and, and then there's the dragster just standing there, you know, mocking me, you know, looking down at me. And, and I just knew the moment was coming. That's when it happened. My friends all look up there and they say, let's ride that. And, my, and I said, you know, no, let's don't. Let's go somewhere else. Maybe it'll break down in the meantime. So... But again, my, my, my friends, they were, they were determined. And so 
you know, we start heading towards the dragster. And I think I even said something along the lines like, guys, I'm not sure I'm ready for this. You know, I'm trying to be cool, but, you know, I'm thinking maybe I should ride a few more rides to work up to this point. And, and uh, so I just said, you know, maybe I'm not ready. And then my friends start doing this. They start saying, Eric, you can handle this. You can do it. It's not that big of a deal. Of course, I'd never ridden it, but some of them had. And, and so they're saying, Eric, it's really, it's really not that big of a deal. They're trying to work me through the whole experience. And so I, I faced this, this first step of faith in the sense that was I going to believe what my friends were telling me just based on faith? Was I going to accept them and just take their word on faith? Because that's all I had to go on. I had no experience to back me up here. Was I going to believe what they were saying, that it really wasn't that big of a deal, that I could handle it, that it was actually fun? Was I going to believe them? The gospel message is this. You and I are trapped in our sin. And without someone there to rescue us, we would die a spiritual and physical death and spend eternity separated from God because that's the natural consequences for our sin. And the reality is that none of us are exempt. We have all sinned. And some 2,000 years ago, God sent us a gift, a Savior sent to us in the form of a baby named Jesus who grew up and changed the world. And this man, though he was innocent, willingly went to the cross and died a criminal's death. And on that cross, Jesus took on himself the penalty for my sin and for your sin so that you and I could have the opportunity to become one with God in a love relationship with him. And in that, we find peace with God. And that's the gift that God gives freely to every one of us if we choose to receive it. If we choose to accept it. And to accept that gift requires a step of faith. Romans 3.30, there is only one God and he makes people right with himself only by faith. Romans 5.1, therefore since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Are you ready to believe? And maybe some of you here today have taken that step. I know some of you have. And still I ask you, are you ready to believe? Do you believe? Do you really believe that God loves you? That he cares for you? Do you really believe that he offers you peace? Do you really believe that he's able to do what his word says he can do, which is basically take care of us, meet our every need? Do you really believe that he'll never let you down? And this becomes more of a matter of trust, which is actually the second step, a step of trust. They really kind of go hand in hand. Like faith, you know, trust is also an issue of belief. And on the side of faith is this question, do you believe who he is? But on the side of trust is this question, do you believe he can? Do you believe he will? This whole time we walked back and forth, or, or back to the, uh, or from the Magnum to the, to the dragster. I was going through this whole thing in my mind, and, and at one point I actually had this thought. I mean, I was scared. <laughs> I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I was really scared. And, and I had this thought, I don't think I can do this. You know, I, I turned 30 in last January, and so I'm almost 31, and this whole year I've been feeling old, and I just thought, I just thought, you know, Maybe there's this age, you know, where you just become too old to do this kind of stuff, where it's just so extreme, and you're just, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone, and, and I just thought, maybe this was it for me. You know, I'm going back and forth in my mind, and as soon as I thought this, I thought, am I okay with that? No, I am not okay with that. 
So I'm going back and forth, and I'm thinking, can I do this? Can I do this? Finally, I start thinking about all the other rides that I've ridden, you know, like the Millennium Force, which is one of my favorites. Love that ride. And it's really high, so I'm thinking I can handle the height. That shouldn't be a big deal. And I start thinking about the, uh, the, the, the Wicked Twister, which launches you, you know, really fast, and you go straight up and straight down with some twists. It's very similar. So I start thinking, you know, maybe the, the speed shouldn't bother me, you know, whatever. And, and you know, the more I begin to process this, the more I begin to think about this, the more I begin to think, maybe I can handle this. You know, maybe I can do this. So it came down to one last question for me. Was I willing to trust that on the other side of this experience, I would come out alive and okay? I mean, seriously, if I'm going to survive this, then why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I want to ride it, you know? So as we approach the entrance to the line, and I'm processing all this, I decide, okay, let's get in line. So I got in line. Now, Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. God has really been challenging me lately with, with this whole idea of trust. Because do you know what trust really is? We've already talked about it. It's an issue of belief. It's an issue of belief. Do we believe that God can? Do we believe that God will? Are we willing to place all of our trust in him? You see, as we approach a relationship with God, something we'll continually be challenged with is our trust. Because our tendency is to want to try and handle everything on our own, to work harder to control the circumstances or manipulate the, 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 the outcome. And this can happen anywhere. It can happen at school. It can happen at work. It can happen in our relationships with our spouses, with our kids and our families. But in order to have peace with God, we have to place our trust in God. And that means that we have to start giving up some of the control. And if we don't start to release the control over these issues in our lives, then it means we don't trust God. And if we don't trust God, then it means we don't believe he is who he is and that he can do what he said he would do, which is meet our every need. And if I'm holding on to the control, then what I'm really saying is, I don't think you can handle this one, God. I don't trust you. In fact, I don't believe you. And there's no peace. There's no relationship. To receive this gift of peace through relationship with Jesus Christ, we have to take a step of faith, then a step of trust as well. And finally, we have to take a step of surrender. A step of surrender. That night I watched, as we got to the front of the line, I watched the empty train roll into place. And then I saw the gates swing open. I knew it was my turn to get on the ride, and, and I knew that I had one more final decision to make, one more choice, because you see, when I was younger and earlier in my days of riding roller coasters, I, I had gotten in line for a ride that I wasn't particularly ready for, and so I had learned this little maneuver where you kind of act like you're getting on the roller coaster, but really you just kind of step through, and you run for the exit as fast as you can, and um, I had pulled this maneuver on more than one occasion to be honest with you, before I was the roller coaster freak that I am today. And so I had this final, this final decision to make. Was I going to sit down and take my seat on this ride, or was I just going to walk through, make another excuse, and sit it out again? And so I walked toward the train, and, and um, I stepped into the train, and I sat down. And I took the seatbelt, and I buckled it, and then I pulled it really, really tight. And I took the lap bar and I pushed it down as tight as it would go. It was a little uncomfortable, um, but I just wanted to be really sure. 
you know. And then that's when it dawned on me, or I realized I am locked in here. I am totally and completely locked in. It doesn't really matter at this point if I want to ride this ride because I am going to ride this ride. I have totally surrendered to the Topsfield Dragster. I am going to go however and wherever it will take me. I have absolutely no control. All I can do at this point is just sit down and hold on and just wait for it all to happen. As we wrestle through these steps of approaching a relationship with God, we'll have to reach a point when we place our faith in God. We'll, we'll be challenged continually to put our full trust in God. But ultimately, we're just going to have to surrender to him. And that doesn't mean that we have to totally throw away every hope and dream that we've ever had, every goal or ambition. It just means that we have to surrender those things to God and let him have his way in our lives. You know, the Apostle Paul was someone who had a lot going for him. I don't know how much you know about this guy, but he was the elite in his society. He had a great heritage. He had the best education. He was tenacious and hardworking. He was respected. But look at what it says. Look at what, look at what, Paul, what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. He says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Paul was willing to surrender everything so that he could become one with God, so that he could have a relationship with God, so that he could have peace with God. And Paul lived an amazing life. I mean, it was far more intense and far more exciting than the one he had lived up to that point. He, he went all over the ancient world spreading the gospel. He, he, he witnessed miraculous stuff. He saw the power of God firsthand. He was, he was used by God. He was also beaten Along the way, he was imprisoned, he was stoned nearly to death at one point, and a bunch of other stuff, but he was used by God. And what made the difference in Paul's life was that he was willing to just set aside himself and say, I'm going to stop living for me and start living for God. I'll go wherever and however he wants me. I'll do whatever he wants me to do. And surrender is simply the point at which we decide to stop living for ourselves and start living for God. It's that point where we confess Jesus as Lord of our life and no longer are we behind the wheel. We're just along for the ride. So here I am on this roller coaster, buckled in. And if you know anything about the dragster, if you've ridden this, you know that they send two trains out at a time. And so we, we, there's a front train and a back train and we were in the back train, which I'm not sure you know, if that was good or not. We had to watch the whole train in front of us do the thing before us. So... It just gave me more time to think about it. And, and so we're sitting there, and I watch, I'm taking this in, and I'm watching the train in front of us, and they get it all, all ready, all situated. And I'm watching the, the fact that they have these lights that go off, and, and I'm trying to figure out the timing of everything so I can be ready. And, and just before that train takes off, some guy in the back row puts his hands up, which I, I said, I'm not going to do that. And um, I thought it was kind of dumb. But anyway, um, I watch the train as it, as it rockets up the hill, and then it clears that hill. And immediately they move us forward. And they move us into position. And they've got the sound effects. I mean, it sounds like a race car and the engines are, are revving. And, and they've got the lights that are getting ready to go off. And, and they make you sit there for like an hour um, and just kind of think about it again and again. And I watch the lights. They have three yellow lights and then a green one. When the green light goes, that's when you take off. 
So I watched these lights begin to take off. And the whole time, getting myself psyched up and ready for this, I mean, I'm sitting there, and, and my feet, I mean, I'm like, my feet are tapping 100 miles a minute. You know, I'm trying to get myself all psyched up. I'm sitting in there by myself because my friends had abandoned me at that point. They were sitting in front of me and behind me. And so I'm having to go through this whole experience by myself, get myself all psyched up, and that green light lights up, and we take off. And in that instant, I start screaming like a little girl. Seriously. And um, I had this look of terror on my face, you know, it was all screwed up, and, and I was loving it, by the way. And we hit that hill, that spike, the track going straight up 90 degrees, and I'm staring at the sky, and then we, we, we come over the top of that hill, and I'm thinking, are we going to make it? Because sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it rolls back. And uh, so I'm thinking, are we going to make it? And we, we're, it looks like we're going to make it. So then I take a quick second to glance around and get a feel for what 420 feet feels like. And I barely have a second before I'm staring at the ground again, going straight down, doing a little twist, and then we land, and the ride's over. And we roll to a stop, and and we get off the train, and I look at my friends, and I said, we're doing this again. (laughs) We're doing this again. Bring it, right? Yeah. The relationship with Jesus is a wild ride. You never know where it will take you. You never know how he'll use you. There's all kinds of twists and turns and flips. There's highs and lows. And sometimes you don't know what waits for you around the next turn. But it truly is a life to the full. A life of joy. And in Christ, no matter how crazy the ride may be, we find peace as we place all our faith, all of our trust in him, and as we surrender to his plan for our lives. So my question for us this morning is simply, What's keeping us from experiencing this kind of oneness with God? What's keeping us from taking that step and entering into a relationship with God where we can find peace? So many times the answer to that question is simply fear. Fear of the unknown. Some of you guys here this morning I know are wrestling with this on different levels. Some of you know that you've, you've never really made that step of faith. You've never really taken that, that step or you've made that commitment to follow Christ. You've never, you've never done that. And others of you may consider yourself Christ followers, but you know that you're struggling with trust. And even, to, even this morning, you've asked yourself, do I really believe God can handle this? Do I really believe he will? And still others of us just simply need to surrender to him. We need to stop holding on to those things that are holding us back. We need to just let go. Surrender it all. And don't take it back. So are you tired of it? Are you out of excuses? Are you tired of putting this off and and ready to just take the step of faith, placing your trust in him and surrendering to him as Lord of your life? If you've never done that and you know you need to and you want to, we're going to give you one more opportunity. There's no more excuses. Because God wants to change your life for the better. He loves you He's been pursuing you, but he's waiting for you to take that step. If you're here with us this morning and you've never received this gift, this gift that, that Christ came to give us, the gift that the Christmas story is all about, and now is your time to do that. All you have to do is receive it. All you have to do is accept it. And it starts with just a prayer, a prayer where you confess to him that you are a sinner. You've made mistakes and we've all done that. You confess to him that you need him to come into your life, to turn things around. Again, we all need that. 
A time where you confess that you just believe him, that he is who he is, that he can do what he said he would do, that you trust him. A prayer where you surrender to him, confess him as Lord of your life. What we're going to do right now is I'm just going to close this in prayer. I'm going to pray this prayer. And if you need to, I would invite you just to say that prayer with me. Repeat after me quietly to yourself as you sit in your seat between you and God. Maybe this is the first time you'll be doing this. And I invite you to. No more excuses. Let's pray together. Jesus, we come to you this morning. We confess, God, that we are sinners. Jesus, we make mistakes. We are imperfect. God, we know that some of those mistakes are are little. God, some of those mistakes are big. Regardless, God, we know that it's sin, and Father, it separates, separates us from you. Jesus, we need you. Come into our lives and take these broken pieces, Lord God, to make us whole, to give us peace, to change us from the inside out, God. Jesus, we believe you are the Son of God. Jesus, we believe that you died on the cross for our sins. And Jesus, we believe that through you we can have eternal life and find forgiveness for those sins. Jesus, we trust you. We know that you're big enough to handle all of our stuff. And Jesus, we confess you as Lord of our life. Jesus, we want to stop living for us, for ourselves, to start living for you. And now, God, we ask for your help, for your strength, for your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. If you happen to be here and you prayed that with me for the very first time, then I would just love for you to write your name on the inside of the bulletin. There's a tear-off. Just fill that out with your name and your contact information. Then put a note on there. This says something like, hey, I prayed this prayer or uh, I took this step. Um, I want to begin a relationship with Christ. Just make any kind of note there so we know that you're making this commitment, that you're taking that step. Because we want to be able to follow up with you. We just want, we just want to get you some resources, some things that will help you along your journey. And um, we'll be praying for you. Something else that we want to make you aware of is the fact that we are having some Christmas Eve services this Wednesday night. Um, It's a time for you to come back with your family and your friends. Uh, We're going to have three opportunities for you, one at 3.30, one at 5, and one at 6.30. So we invite you to come back to that. We hope we'll see you there. Hope you guys stay warm and uh, drive safely as you leave. We'll see you Wednesday.